Anyway, so I had to look into it. Yeah. <clears throat> it's worth looking into. I think um, a lot of people, which this is, I'm preaching to the choir, and I've been taught by this by so many other people. Uh, people form decisions based off of headlines. and Or conclusions. Headlines, yeah, or conclusions, and have no clue of the details. I think that's where tribalism comes from. Um, there's been a lot of uh, tribalism, tr- little tribes formed um, over the past, I don't know, two years now. And some people, especially in these high-level academic debates, I would say a lot of people, a good number of people, don't really know the ins and outs of, the, uh, of each position. They just love so-and-so who is on one side and are most likely going to take what he's got to say wholesale. And then they kind of fall in love with the stride. Um, whereas I I don't want to be a part of a tribe. I do want to, which I am a part of a tribe, 1689, with Saeed. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm a confessionalist. I'm, I'm, you know, and I'm not a Westminster confessionist, though I love the Westminsterians. We have so much to be proud of of their heritage, and we're a part of their heritage. There, some of them are like, "No, you're not." <laughs> but uh, so granted, I, I'm not saying I'm not a part of any tribe. I'm just this theological skeptic. Yeah, some definitely don't want to claim us. Yeah, um, but still, there's a lot of things I would, I, I just, in this higher level theological stuff, I do want to come off as a skeptic, not in the true sense of the meaning, like I don't believe anything, but I don't want to just take every, like subscribe to every single aspect that so-and-so has just because they're so-and-so and just because that's my tribe. Right. Right, 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 right. You know, I want to I wanna have a well-rounded, what does the Bible say type of theology, and that's probably going to separate me from... And so I want to be able to look at this tribe and say, no, I probably disagree with that, and be able to look at the other tribe and say, well, I disagree with that too. Yeah. Um, doesn't make sense, that sort of stuff. But I think Twitter is conducive for that sort of uh, environment. Just the quick, quick fix theology, quick fix rebuttal. Uh, get it out there fast, whatever's cool and, and catchy type stuff. And it, it's just a slippery slope into unnecessary debate and division. Yeah, you should. Uh, Twitter is a terrible place to come to doctrinal conclusions. Yeah, awful, awful. And if you're not going to take the time to read the 500 to 1,000 page book on certain things, you're not being honest with uh, material that hand. Well, and it, let's you don't have to um, um and that's fine if you don't read the 500 to 1000 page book on it. Uh, uh but then don't be so dumb, dogmatic about it right. on on Twitter. Yeah. Say, look, okay. From from the uh, discourse, um, you know my instant, my instant reaction, or my instant, uh, um, kind of my instant uh, 
position or my default position leans to this way or the other, or I th- you know, I think it'll land here. Uh, but that doesn't mean you can go all, you know, uh, reformed version of social justice warrior about it on on, yeah. uh, on Twitter. Yeah. I think that's so funny. We all had the social justice warrior tendencies within us. You know, I'm so tired yeah. of so-and-so for canceling so-and-so. And then I turn around and want to cancel a theologian because yeah. he, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Know, yeah. or, or the congregants. I'm so tired of da da da. Their the cancel culture. So, da ba ba ba. But then the pastor preaches something in the sermon that you just hate, so you want to cancel him. Um, just always that, or then not really knowing what you're defending, but it's um, branded well. That's um, SJW uh, tendencies. Yeah, and it's just. Ryle, in these two chapters that we're covering today, or the first, the first one, these are these are again sermons that he's uh, included in the back, or included it as a conclusion, concluding thoughts. Um, man, I need this coffee to kick in. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you need to start doing? You need to start making your own coffee at the house and drinking it before you come here. Now that I'm actually early to these early to these things now. Ever since we switched back to Thursday, I've actually been early. Saturdays, man, it was rough. Yeah, uh, I should do that. You're right. That's a good idea. And then drink some more when you get here, and then that, that's right. That's that's a good uh, that's good advice right there. Yeah, everybody is hearing me two sips in. hasn't hasn't had opportunity to work settle in yet. It'll get me here in a second, though. It always does. Uh, Once of the Times is is the title of one of the the sermons. It's chapter. Uh, uh, what is, what is it? Chapter nineteen. Nineteen. That's right. Yeah, chapter nineteen. And Ryle's convicted me to pay attention to what's going on more. I kind of checked out for a while. Just uh, been like, Look, I see I what you're connect. I see how you're yeah. connecting it. Yeah. Okay. I thought you were just making an awkward transition of let's change the subject, but no. No, I've kind of... Once of the times, yeah. Once of the times. I was kind of checked out for a while. I mean, I read the news, but uh, basically I've checked out of social media for a good while now. And um, I'm not saying that I'm going back, but but Twitter is a good place to kind of have a pulse on what's on what's going on. The problem is it's like a daily pulse. It's like, okay, what what's new? It's every what's day. new what's every new single every single day. What's trending today? Yeah. And something, if it's really big, will last like a week. Mm-hmm. A, a week. week. If so it's you really have a, big, it'll last like a week. So you then, have a day yeah. to form your opinion and get on somebody's side. Yeah. I mean, yeah, day or two max. Maybe I mean, you gotta yeah, I mean it's 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 ridiculous. So it's I'm not saying that that oh I just need to pay attention to Twitter again. I mean it's got its. I'm still kind of pessimistic about it, but I mean that's where you kind of keep up with with what's going on and 
and, and things like that. And, and really Ryle's really what Ryle's encouraging at the outset of this, this sermon is you need to pay attention to the day that you're in. And mm-hmm. he's not meaning a Twitter version of a day. He's uh, talking about the time or the days of which you're, you're living in kind of the, uh, um, what the Bible might call spirit of the age or the, maybe that's not an exact, exact biblical connection. Uh, but it's, it's understanding the times, understanding your days, understanding what's, you know, paying attention to the world. Um, uh, he goes on. I mean, he says it so emphatically. He says, next to our Bibles and our own hearts, our Lord would have us to study our own times. Mm. So that's, that's convicted me a bit. And so I think I need to pay attention to, uh, I don't, I don't know. I got to find some sort of balance is what I'm saying. Because ignoring the Twitter beef isn't altogether practical. Right. It's it's amazing in a lot of ways. I mean, it's freeing, not paying attention to that stuff. Um, but yeah, I got I think I need to pay a little bit of attention to it. Well, I, I can see one reason why you would have to as a pastor is because your congregants are on Twitter, and sadly, the things they're coming across on Twitter, the way that they're handled may not always be the best, but they still have substance to them that has to be dealt with right they're still sowing some seed yeah yeah there, there's still this point that is brought up that either has to be agreed with or um, rejected because uh, they are either agreeing with it or rejecting it when they probably should or shouldn't and so you at least got to know what it is maybe not know all the what's going on and how people are talking about it on twitter but yeah. you got to know about this this thing yeah. What is this? Uh, so, for example, Christian nationalism. Uh, okay, Christian nationalism, what is it? Should we believe it? Da-da-da-da-da. Um, yeah. But. Right. I'm, uh, here. Here's my take, my, my quick take, though. Is it Twitter may be a good place to find those things? Or find, okay, there's a conversation happening about this. But it's not a good place to be informed about that conversation. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, but the problem is, is that it, uh, again, I mean, it's designed and I think Musk is even doing a better job of making it suck you in even more. Uh, and that's not a criticism against Musk. I think that he's, uh, part of that is good and part of that is just the nature of social media and the platform in general. Um, uh, like for one instance, for one example, like Musk making it more, uh, more of a, f- quote, free speech platform where less is going to be censored or you can have more uh, kinds of content on there is actually attractive. And that's why uh, Twitter is busting uh, uh, usage records according to what they're, according to what they are um, uh, uh, reporting. More people are using Twitter now than ever. But... It's a good place to find, okay, what are people talking about or what is an idea that's that's kind of stirring the pot or making waves, but it's a terrible place to actually find out about what it is. Uh, and so it's a great place to, to kind of get book or reading recommendations, 
So I'm a I'm a big big uh, proponent of long form media. So writing, even in short blog posts, that's uh, that's long form if you compare it to a tweet. Uh, podcast where people can discourse uh, and kind of carry out a thought in a long form conversation. I mean, that's why we're doing this. We're taking books and digesting them in long in longer form conversations. These aren't 15 minute book reviews. These are, you know, uh, almost 20 episodes on, on one book, mm-hmm. roughly an hour each. We spent almost 20 hours talking about JC Ryle's holiness. I mean, if we, yeah. we haven't digested the book by then, by now, we're never going to, right? <laughs> we're, we're just not. That's the whole point of us doing this podcast is to, uh, digest, it's really going back to the original inception of it. It's a, it's an excuse for us to digest books. But anyway, I don't know. I'm, I've distracted the whole, I've distracted the whole conversation, but, um, yeah, Twitter, going back to Twitter is a good place to find out what people are talking about. Let's say Christian nationalism for your, for your example. But if you think you understand Christian nationalism from Twitter, you don't. Yeah. Um, uh, you just don't. You just don't. Yeah. Uh, but to your point. But it's a great place to find out who to follow, who to read, to get dig more in substantive of who's pro, uh, promote you know proponents of it, who's criticizers of it. But you've got to go find their more substantive uh, dealing with it. Or if all they're tweeting about it, if all they're doing is tweeting about it, um, then uh, that's not a person that's, that's, that's not a legit source. It's not a legit person. Um, if all they're doing is tweeting about this or that subject, you can't, yeah, it's not a good, they need to be dealing with it somewhere more substantively in, in a longer form, whether in writing or podcast. And, and doing a podcast interview doesn't count. There's some podcasters out there. They're, I'm not saying that their work is illegitimate or anything like that, but they're interviewers, and they definitely have a place. It's kind of like uh, kind of like Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's not getting on. Um, I mean, he's got an interview-based podcast, um, and there's a place for that, and they're really entertaining and, and good stuff. So, um, uh, and those are great to follow. So that you can, like, they'll interview someone on Christian Christian nationalism. That's great. I like those. The, those are those are helpful. Um, but some are just um, interview podcasts in the sense of let let me have somebody on, maybe a friend or maybe somebody who's more active on Twitter, and we're just going to talk about what's been happening on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And those are. A waste of time in my opinion that's yeah. not doing anything that's not the substantive type dialogue or podcast that you want of just rehashing you know rehashing what happened on twitter yeah you want somewhere where kind of formative teaching is happening is happening anyway trying to get back to my transition instead of my distraction uh ryle has has uh Ryle's telling me to pay a little closer attention. Yeah. And I'm I'm and I'm hearing it. I think the Lord's truly uh 
uh, convicted me a little bit. Not that I need some sort of like public repentance or uh, anything like that. You need to tweet out your repentance today. Yeah, I repent for not not paying attention to Twitter. It's like Twitter is this new pulpit from where from where you uh, either preach or repent. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't. I, don't I need any, you to yeah. publicly tweet your repentance if you're truly repentant. Yeah, I don't think any uh like uh, uh hardcore repentance is in order, but yeah. but. Maybe I shouldn't say convicted. I'm being exhorted. I'm being encouraged yeah. by Ryle to to pay, know pay, the, to know the times to pay closer attention. The first one he says, first and foremost, the times require of us a bold and unflinching maintenance of the entire truth of Christianity and the divine authority of the Bible. Now I'm going to skip over a few paragraphs. Yeah, don't assume yeah. I'm skipping it all together. No, so you, you. you point out some stuff you need, but here's. He, he goes down and he has three subheadings that really help us defend um, Christianity, as he said, and the divine authority of the Bible against people who are, say, skeptics and infidels, as he has said. Um, number one, so he says this, first, when skeptic and skeptics and infidels have said all they can, we must not forget that there are three great broad facts which they have never explained away. And I'm convinced they never can and never will. Uh, what are those three facts? Number one, the first fact is Jesus Christ himself. If, G- if Christianity is a mere invention of man and the Bible is not from God, how can infidels explain Jesus Christ? Um, he says a bunch of good stuff there. Nothing can explain it but the great foundation principle of revealed religion, that Jesus Christ is God and his gospel is all true. Number two, the second fact that they cannot explain away, the Bible itself. If Christianity is a mere invention of man and the Bible is of no more authority than any other inspired volume, how is it that the book is what it is? Skipping on down, he cannot explain its existence and nature on his principles. We only can do that who hold that the book is supernatural and of God. And then number three, the third fact is the effect which Christianity has produced on the world. Yeah. Uh, so he's saying, in, in other words, in these three points, if, if Christianity is, is just an invention of man, uh, how can these things be explained? Yeah, hey. this... Sorry. No, you go ahead. Yeah, this goes to knowing the times is because the first time... He's looking, he's looking around uh, and saying... Uh, well, I mean, th- this is the thesis of the chapter, okay? It is, he says, for it is the most important thing to understand the times in which we live and to know what those times require. Um, on that, he sees uh, a growing skepticism of Christianity. Um, he, would, he doesn't use this phrase or doesn't frame it in this way, but he sees the seeds of secularism starting to starting to form. And he even quotes a guy, uh, I'm not going to look it up, but he even quotes a guy from, uh, er, from earlier. He's talking about a dead guy, some, uh, who, and he quotes from a sermon or a book or something. Um, and uh, um, I think it's actually, I think it's bit, um, 
uh, it's actually right here. Bishop Butler wrote in 1736. So almost 100 years, over 100 years earlier. Uh, and he's in uh, Butler's pointing out similar things. And he says, I will often wonder what the good bishop would have now said if he had lived in 1879. Uh, and so he's pointing out kind of an erosion of religion, a skepticism of Christianity that is growing. And um, so the first signs of the times or the first knowing times, Ryle is saying, uh, we need a bold and unflinching maintenance of the entire truth of Christianity and of the divine authority of the Bible. There's a growing skept- there's a growing skepticism against Christianity, against th- this particular religion, and then religion in general, uh, as we'll get to. So, knowing the times, knowing what what a, a trend you might say of the times. Um, what does that require of us? Um, so, um, we okay, we see a broad trend. Okay, how should we live or how should we bolster ourselves in light of that? And so he says we need to know, well, we need to know the, the basic truths of Christianity. We need to know our scriptures. Uh, we, need to, we need to uh, confirm, uh, confirm ourselves, conform ourselves to the divine to the to the divine authority of the Bible, we need to be resolute in that because that's the very thing that's being eroded, not only in his day, but I could say the same thing about Ryle at this point. If Ryle only knew uh, in two thousand and twenty three, uh, <laughs> what would Ryle now say? Uh, now that we live in two thousand twenty three instead of eighteen seventy nine. Uh, uh, but he's he's sharp. I mean, he's seeing the seeds of seeing the seeds of these things. Um, the the uh, so he's talking about uh, what I would call secular skepticism. Not uh, I don't want to jump ahead as well. Uh, but the second part of this in in knowing the times is he's he's worried about a uh, uh, kind of a resurgent. He calls it Romanism or or uh, uh, popish, uh, uh, popish influence again in England. Uh, I think he missed the mark there. Uh, it, it's understandable why he was so concerned about it. He's much closer to the English Civil Wars and things that we talked about in Lex Rex. But uh, he should have, I'm not saying should have, like he was wrong. But if he could look back, actually see what's going on today, he, he, the, the Romanism wouldn't be the concern, or the, the resurgent Catholicism wouldn't be the concern. It would be this, fir- this first part, the growing yeah. skepticism that sweeped through the West, not just England, but the whole West, in a way that I, I really don't think he could have foresaw the extent of it. Yeah, and, and two, um, on that point, his he didn't miss the mark, but he um, he missed maybe where the direction was actually heading, or how quickly it was heading to his first point of yeah. skepticism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he missed that Romanism is actually falling a prey to the second place, and that is um, the times required our hands distinct and decided views of Christian doctrine. Yeah. So even yeah, Romanism yeah. is falling prey to 
losing its distinction. <laughs> yeah, which is which is wild. It's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, I mean, you have you, the you understand that you understand how that could easily happen in Protestantism. Uh, uh, but man, the fact that that uh, um, yeah, the fact that the the Catholic Church broadly is becoming. I mean, it's been nominal for, I would arguably say, almost ever that, that Catholicism has been, the, the average adherent was just nominal. Oh, priest says, do these rituals. Okay, I'll do them. Um, uh, on the uh, quick note on that, the Expositors podcast, no, it's not the Expositors podcast. It's the Entrusted podcast that the MacArthur Center put out. It's been a podcast about uh, MacArthur's life and ministry. Have you listened to that at all? Mm-mm. Dude, it's good actually. It's really good. Um, uh, they've got two seasons out now. I'm behind. I just listened to the second one. I think the third one's supposed to come out sometime soon. But they had an episode on MacArthur and Catholicism, or MacArthur. I think it's called MacArthur in Rome. And they have one of their grad, one of the Master Seminary graduates who's ministering in in Rome now. Uh, talk about his ministry and evangelism to uh, uh, to Catholics in Rome, dude. It's powerful. Mm. Uh, if if it doesn't get you fired up, I don't know what will. Anyway, in there, uh, the coffee's working now, and I'm getting distracted. <laughs> anyway, in there, quick story. He says that he was talking to a man at some store, restaurant, or some somewhere, and uh, uh, um. Anyway, in conversation, the man says that, why don't you believe uh, that we, I think, it, I think it was, why don't you believe that we are united to Christ or enter into heaven through the Virgin Mary or something like that? Um, and uh, uh, he says, when it, it's right there in the Bible, and uh, it, it's in the book of Acts. And the missionary or the, the pastor there in, in Rome says, you know, well, you know, kindly, he was like, well, I actually just read through, just finished reading through Acts in my in my daily devotional. I didn't see it anywhere. Can you can you sh- can you sh- tell me where it is? Can you show me where it is? It was like come back tomorrow. I'll tell you where it is. <laughs> and he came back the next day, and uh, the man didn't even want to talk to him. The man didn't even want to talk to him, and he just you know he just had his head in his hands. He was like, no, go away. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> he was like, are you you know what's you know uh, what's wrong? Are you like are you okay? It's just like. And the man started weeping. He said, the priest lied to me. Oh, man. Whoa. So it wasn't that he didn't have an argument. It's that he was, broke, he was broken. Like, he, yeah. he, the priest lied to me. And some priest told him in the book of Acts that they did that. And he probably... Well, it's, it's, it's standard. Apparently, it's standard Catholic. I don't, I don't know. I don't know about that much about Catholicism, honestly. honestly but um, been to Rome, but don't know much about it. But as I bring that up to say, yeah, it's uh, arguably, broadly, it's always been nominal as far as your just average adherent. But, yeah, to think that Catholicism now is like, I mean, the Pope himself is like, well, actually. LGBTQ stuff is a really good <laughs> virtue. Like, imagine, imagine that trying to fly in 1200 A.D., the Pope's then, or in the Inquisition. I mean, the popes have a crazy history. Um, I mean, they've got a wild, wild history. They've done some crazy stuff in the past. 
a lot of wild sexual but, stuff too. But oh yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about, um, uh, I mean, religious, uh, religious, um, this is overused, but a religious religious abuse or whatever you want to call it is rampant in any religion. Uh, any religion, the uh, sin sin will will uh, pervert in its dark corners. But man, it's hard to it's hard not to see that Catholicism's got the that got the cake on that. Yeah, uh, if you just look historically, as far as the popes are concerned, and uh, anyway, uh, kind of getting back to our point, the um, uh, yeah, the point that you rightly make out is that Catholicism has even been 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 starting to uh, erode. Uh, the main tenets, the main catechisms, the main you know councils are have been eroded by postmodernism, uh, high skepticism, high criticism. Uh, n- not just public criticism, but but uh, um, uh, but like academic or uh, uh, philosophical criticism, where the popes even throwing out just some very classic very traditional catholic teaching where any every conservative catholic i know is like yeah this guy's a joke yeah yeah which shows the the danger of indistinct christianity and how widely that is swept through the church or through through uh the times let's be more broad through the times he says this again Again, the times require at our hands distinct and decided views of Christian doctrine. It requires that. It requires us to be distinct and decided in our views. Um, He he says, I cannot withhold my conviction that the professing church of the 19th century is as much damaged by laxity and indistinctness about matters of doctrine within as it is by skeptics and unbelievers without. Now, this is where he really just hits the nail on the head with our time, let alone his time 150 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Myriads of professing Christians nowadays seem utterly unable to distinguish things that differ. Like people afflicted with color blindness, they are incapable of discerning what is true and what is false, what is sound and what is unsound. If a preacher of religion is only clever and eloquent and earnest, they appear to think he is all right, however strange and heterogeneous his sermons may be. They are destitute of spiritual sense, apparently, and cannot detect error, popery or Protestantism, an atonement or no atonement, a personal Holy Ghost or no Holy Ghost, future punishment or no future punishment, high church or low church or broad church or Trinitarianism, Arianism, Unitarianism. Nothing comes amiss to them. They can swallow all if they cannot digest it. Carried away by a fancied liberality and charity. Let me say that again. This is it. This is it. Carried away by a fancied liberality and charity. They seem to think everybody is right and nobody is wrong. Come on. Oh, man. Every clergyman is sound and none are unsound. Everybody is going to be saved and nobody going to be lost. Their religion is made up of negatives. And the only positive thing about them is that they dislike distinctness. The only positive thing about them is that they dislike 
distinctness and think all extreme and decided and positive views are very naughty and very wrong. Man, dude. dude. If he's not, (laughs) hey, man, Ryle Ryle is being preserved in some some frozen ice chamber somewhere, and he's still, he's still, he's still writing, man. The power, the power behind this is there are a lot of Christians who don't realize the times and so have fallen prey to this. Absolutely. So he is coming, he's jumping into the future for yeah. those people and telling them, no, you need a distinct view of Christianity. Yeah. Um, you because, know, because, because the point is this, you actually need to believe it. You actually need to believe something, not, not just believe anything, but you actually need to believe something about the scriptures. Okay. It's not enough to say, because, okay, look at the signs of the times, know the times you're in, uh, uh, a thin, a thin belief isn't gonna, isn't gonna cut it. You need a deep belief. Well, if you if you have a deep belief, that means you you actually are going to uh, believe something over something else. Uh, you're actually going to have. Um, you're gonna need to. You're gonna need to believe the distinctions between Protestantism and, and Catholicism. You're going to need to know whether you're a Protestant or a Catholic, um, uh, you know, a Trinitarian, Arian, or Unitarian, uh, which are huge, uh, huge distinctions or division in, in belief. Uh, those are between cr- truly Christian belief and not Christian belief. Uh, but, but that's why he's saying this is if you don't if you don't make if you don't have any distinctions, you don't actually know what you believe. You don't actually believe anything. You just uh um you know going back to the twitter conversation it's just uh oh this side of the twitter conversation seems right i'm going to go with them but you don't actually have a a a true understanding of what it is anybody's talking about yeah um yeah again to to read that uh one thing the one line carried away by a fancied liberality and charity yeah they seem to think everybody is right and nobody is wrong the only positive thing about them meaning the only thing they they believe positively uh instead of saying oh i don't do this i don't believe that uh, and the only thing they say no I, i i hold firm to this i believe this the only thing that they believe positively is that they dislike distinctness, meaning they yeah. hate distinction. Yeah, uh, they hate confessionalism. They hate this firm, uh, dogmatic stance on anything at all. That uh, a, a dogma that separates us from the world. Yeah, he goes on to say they are eaten up with morbid dread of controversy and an ignorant dislike of party spirit. And yet, they really cannot define what they mean by these phrases. The only point you can make out is that they admire earnestness and cleverness and charity and cannot believe that any clever, earnest, charitable man can ever be in the wrong. And so they live on undecided, and too often undecided they drift down to the grave without comfort in their religion, and, I'm afraid, often 
without hope. This is what the Bible is talking about when it says, this is an example of what the scripture is talking about when it says, um, when it talks about being people being carried about by any, by every wind of doctrine. Um, they're just being blown by the uh, doctrinal, by the times. By the, by the times. They're being blown by, by the times, uh, by the doctrinal fad, uh, whatever it is. Um, being blown by the times. You've got to have a, you've got to have like uh what I would describe is I'm thinking about like a bridge over a lake and they dig down the foundation very deep. They drill the foundations deep under the, uh, uh, under the actual ground beneath the water uh, so that the bridge is firm. The bridge uh, doesn't collapse when you're driving over it. Uh, that's the point here is that if you don't know what you believe and why you believe it, then you're going to be blown about by every wind of doctrine. And, and that, that, this goes back to the, the pastor's job, pastor's primary job. Uh, we heard it at our church last night, um, is to, um, um, uh, is to equip the church in this way, to ground the church in doctrine uh, so that they aren't blown away by every uh, uh, wind of doctrine, but they're built up in what we believe and why we believe it. Another uh, quick story, my first, one of my first classes in Bible college, um, uh, oh, geez, uh, 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 Professor Brewer, did you ever take him? Yeah. Did you have anything by him? Yeah. Dude blew me away. Dude blew me away. <laughs> Intro to Christian doctrine. Uh, and he just absolutely went after us in the class. I mean, criticized every every view that we had uh, coming into it. Uh, quickly exposed that we have no clue what we we have no. No idea, no clue of what we actually believe, and even more so why we believe what we say we believe. And, uh, uh, yeah, he, uh, he really just challenged even, like, the essential tenets of, tenets of Christianity. I remember distinctly leaving class one day thinking, does this guy even believe in the Trinity? Right? <laughs> I, mean, I, I clearly, after that class, I clearly recognize I don't know how to explain it, but I'm not sure he believes it. Um. And uh, uh, next class, we came back, and he made clear that he does believe it. But he left us. He in went that. home that night. And said, "Wait a minute, these people think I don't believe in the no, Trinity." No, no, I think he intentionally left us in tension. Like yeah. he left us. Like the first thing I did after leaving that class for the week, I'm I'm searching the scriptures, you know, building a case for the Trinity and things like that. I mean, he caused me. He was the, he was the first one to really caused me to dig into the scriptures and, and begin to develop doctrine out of the scriptures. Um, yeah, he was the man. Quick story on that, and this goes with this of distinction. You and I are confessedly, distinctly Calvinists as opposed to Arminians. Um, he, in class one time, I, I took Romans class with him. <laughs> I'm glad this podcast isn't very popular because we might out him. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, 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 no. This wouldn't out him. Um, where it's it's popular in uh, Washington, but 
not Conway, Arkansas. <laughs> but wherever, where are those people listening to us? Seattle. See, yeah, Seattle. Shout out to you, Seattle listeners. Um, but anyways, he knew I was a Calvinist at that time. I'm the only Calvinist in the classroom. Everybody else is distinctly Arminian in their soteriology. Whether and, they realize it yet or not. Yeah, yeah, right. We make it to Romans chapter 8. And uh, he's talking and stuff, and then he pauses. He's sitting down in a chair like this at, like, the front table. <laughs> and he pauses, and he's looking around, and he goes, he looks at me. So, Colt, do you believe in free will? <laughs> it's like, you know, no teacher has ever done that. First off, ever asked me what I believe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But he did, and man, that started an hour and a half long worth of fireworks. Oh, yes, yes. I'm telling you, man, it was wow. His class was was (laughs) so fun. (laughs) So, Cole. I would always sign up for him. Yeah. I would always sign up for him. Yeah, man, his classes were great because he forced you to think. And he forced you to be distinct on this point. Um, one, an, another point he said, he, he made you know what you believe and why you believe it. That's what, that's what I liked about him. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he'll argue against, he'll argue against you even if he believes it. Yeah. Uh, I would say probably even, especially if he, be, he, he agrees with you and he's arguing against it to make sure you know why you believe yeah. it. Yeah. One time I made a, we were in Romans chapter one and two and I made a point where I asked a question and stuff and he paused and he looked at me, he goes, what? <laughs> I was like, man, I yeah. feel dumb. Yeah. I feel like a dummy. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, yeah. He's, he's a good teacher. He's a really good teacher. The point is, this is not a time for us to be all unifying with everybody. Yeah. You know, let's figure out how to build the bridge. You know, the cool guy who tries to be cool and be the middleman and everything. Let's be let's be the middleman in every single thing that there is. Let's take no positions left or right. Let's just take the middle ground because middle ground is most virtuous, as they say or think. That's not the time for this. Um, even in our Christian circles, it's not the time to be doctrineless or confessionless. This is why the... Uh, a confession is good. I'm not making a solemn stance for 1689 confession right here. This is why it's a good time if you're a Presbyterian to hold to a Presbyterian confession, yeah. the Westminster confession. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a Baptist to hold to a, a Baptist confession, whether that be the 2000 uh, Baptist faith and message or the 1689, this is not a time where it's confusing what you believe, confusing yeah. what you hold to. These things we confess. Yeah. These things we believe. Take what you want. Say what you want about the 1689 confession. Um, there are things that even the confessionalists don't believe 100% with, but they still hold to these things. Um, because if you don't do that, you just swept up with the yeah. times. You, you look just like the world. Yeah. You're no longer the city on the hill. You're no longer the light of the world. Um, do you even believe in the Trinity? Do you even right. believe in God's work of salvation? Um, you know, uh, it's not that we're trying to be Christian nationalists here, but a Christian that has no 
positive views that separate him from just the virtuous, moral, secular person is not in a position that he should be in. Um, yeah. And we, we've hammered this already. We don't have to hammer it again. But as he said, and that's why I read that quote again, um, liberality and charity, the thing that will hold us or keep us from being the distinct Christians that we should be is the doctrine of niceness. Yeah. At all costs, be nice. Or to use his language, at all costs, be charitable. Yeah. Yeah, and it's actual, uh, knowing your doctrine actually creates unity, uh, not disunity. Right. Uh, Because now you know on to what level you can... Uh, you can associate or fellowship with other Christians who believe other things. And, and you know, and so uh, it does divide in the sense that it lets you know who you need to divide from, uh, who has departed uh, from the faith. Uh, Unitarians and Trinitarians uh, uh, cannot have fellowship. Uh, Unitarians aren't even Christians. Um, you, you have to believe in the, or Unitarianism is not a, a Christian doctrine. It's a, it's a, uh, uh, her, uh, heresy. It denies the Trinity. Okay. You can't have, you can't, uh, a Trinitarian church and Unitarian church can't have fellowship. So it does divide in that sense, but it unites in the sense that, um, uh, now we don't have to uh, fight or squabble with Presbyterians because we know where they're at. Uh, we know where they're at, and they know where we're at, and we're like, okay, we're actually uh, more on the same team, even though we, we need our distinctive churches. But he, he goes uh, on to say this. Uh, um, all, uh, where, where is it, where is it? What ha- I just had it up here. What happened to it? Uh, the whole result is that a kind of broad religious agnosticism just suits an immense number of people and specially suits young persons. This is, this is very true. They are content to shovel aside all disputed points as rubbish as if you charge them with indecision, they will tell you, I do not pretend to understand controversy. I decline to examine controverted points. I dare say it is all the same in the long run. Who does not know that such people swarm and abound everywhere? But he goes on to say, the victories of Christianity, wherever they have been won, have been won by distinct doctrinal theology by telling men roundly of Christ's vicarious death and sacrifice by showing them Christ's substitution on the cross and his precious blood by teaching them justification by faith and bidding them to believe on a crucified savior by preaching ruin by sin redemption by Christ regeneration by the spirit by lifting up the brazen serpent by telling men to look and live to believe repent and be converted. If you look back at, and he references, gives a few references, but if you look at the Protestant Reformation, um, the, um, uh, the, 
the Puritan era. Uh, these are all, to use his language, doctrinal victories that that the church advanced by the uh, uh, by doctrinal preaching and teaching. He says. It was dogma in the apostolic ages which emptied the heathen temples and shook Greece and Rome. It was dogma, or you could say doctrine in place of dogma. It was dogma which awoke Christendom from its slumbers at the time of the Reformation and spoiled the Pope of the third of his subjects. It was dogma which 100 years ago revived the Church of England in the days of Whitfield, Wesley, Venn, and Romaine, and blew up the dying Christianity into a burning flame. It is dogma at this moment which gives power to every successful mission, whether at home or abroad. It is doctrine, doctrine, clear ringing doctrine, which, like the ram's horns at Jericho, cast down the opposition of the devil and sin. Let us cling to decided doctrinal views, whether some may please to say in these times, and we shall well do for ourselves, well for others, well for the Church of England, and well for Christ's cause in the world. It's like Dude, the horns that I brought want down that the printed walls out. Of I want that printed out in on my wall somewhere. So good. Wow. Um, what do you say with the little time that we have left to finish this out, Chapter Twenty? Yeah, we've got. Yeah, we have to. So much stuff to be to be spoken of. In summary, though, this chapter he gives a the signs of the time uh, require uh, personal holiness. Uh, he he bolsters the 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 great cause of the book. Okay, why should you pay attention to the signs of the times? And and uh, the the signs of the times require a higher standard of personal holiness and an increased attention to practical religion and daily life. So here's now why it's in the book, uh, his collection of, of writings on holiness. So he says, look, what's the solution to, uh, the, the, my language, not his, the world seemingly falling, uh, falling, uh, uh, falling apart around us. Uh, it's personal holiness is a major key to that, higher standard of personal holiness. Yeah. He says we need to revive the Ten Commandments, not revive them in the in the sense that they're dead, but uh, uh, people uh, are, are neglecting it. People aren't paying attention to it. Uh, Ten Commandments, Servant on the Mount, and the the end of Paul's epistles. He says he was like everybody loves the juicy doctrine. Again, this is my language, not Riles. Surprisingly mm-hmm. enough, uh, everybody loves the juicy doctrine. And then the the last chapters of Romans, people are like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We love Romans 1 through 11. Yeah. We debate Romans yeah. 9 11 all the yeah. time. When it comes to 12, we're like, oh, just yawning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, so he tells us to pick those things back up. He tells us to pick up, uh, to persevere in prayer, persevere in, uh, uh, persevere in Bible reading. Uh, he calls them... Just in conclusion on, on chapter 19, um, th- this is a, a, a real stirring part of the chapter. I hate that we're having a, to, to ro- roll over it. Uh, uh, but let me just conclude in saying this. He, he, he describes it like the, the roots of a plant. 
It was just like, there's nothing pretty about it. Uh, the roots of a plant. There's nothing pretty about it. It's grimy. Uh, it, it uh, uh, yeah, there's no show about it. It's not the flower on top. It's not the, the, uh, the, the juicy apple or the, the, the good looking fruit on the outside. Uh, but it's where the plant, uh, it's where the plant gets all its nutrients. It's where the plant essentially is made apart from the, the leaves absorbed in the sunlight, sunlight. That's where he puts personal holiness. He was like, look, there's nothing flashy about it. There's nothing. And I love his, that analogy and description he gives to it. There's nothing flashy about it. Uh, there's nothing, uh, that is, um, uh, there's, there's, there's no show, nothing flashy, nothing appe- really appealing to it from, from the outside. It's like the roots of the plant. It's under the surface. Uh, it's happening behind the scenes. Uh, it's grimy. It's dirty. Um, it, he, he's using that to talk about it. It's like, look, it's, it's, uh, I don't want to say it's drudgery, but it's like just the daily habit or the regular habit uh, regular, uh, uh, regular discipline in private, uh, where you're getting your nutrients. And he says, and, and I've said before on the podcast and I say before in counseling and in public teaching, if you have to, uh, if you have to, if you had to pick between one or the other public worship or private worship, uh, uh, public, you, you should choose public worship. Now, that's a false dilemma. It's a false dichotomy because you never have to make that choice. Ryle, helpfully, because of the scripture's emphasis is on public worship and the fellowship of the saints, what the worship of the gathered assembly of the saints. But Ryle helpfully and, and rightly encourages uh, here uh, not to under, underestimate the private worship. And he says that's where, uh, uh, he says public worship is not enough. And I, I would agree with that. Uh, you have to have the uh, private worship. That's the roots of your, your Christian life. That's what's happening when, that's the nutrients you're getting. It's under the soil. No one's looking. Bible reading, prayer, you need to give yourself to that um, because that's where, that's where the the plan of your spiritual life is getting all all the nutrients. Um, and he's telling this all as a uh, this is a side, but he's telling this all going back to kind of where I'm uh, where I'm being encouraged or admonished. I'll say encouraged in this chapter, so I don't have to so I don't have to repent. Uh, he says. Uh, The man who is content, going back to the beginning, the man who is content to sit ignorantly by his own fireside, wrapped up in his own private affairs, and has no public eye for what is going on in the church and the world, is a miserable miserable patriot in a poor style of Christian. Mm. And he's not even hashtag that post mill. And he says something similar at the end of the chapter. He's like, basically, for the sake of you know, for the sake of uh, the Church of England and uh, in the nation and um, uh, your own soul, your own church, the Church of England and the nation, which I'm not in the Church of England, obviously, but you can make similar application. 
no doctrine, pursue holiness, um, uh, and be a uh, 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 be a promoter of those things, advancer of those things, uh, uh, and that there and that there is victory through that. Yeah. And he and he's saying there's there the the church will be victorious, and this is the way. This is this is the way to do it. And again, he ain't even post mill, bro. Yeah. Yeah, it's all good stuff. Thank you for um, uh, capturing all that. Um, grand, la- grand finale. Last chapter, there's so much to say on this. It, it's a good summary of all. Um, and it's, um, so the title of it being Christ All in All. Um, and so you can get a, a general gist of what he's saying. One thing he is making sure that he is clear on in this entire book by using this chapter is that he does not separate holiness from Christ. Amen. Um, He does not treat holiness as a separate doctrine from Christology. In fact, Christology is the beginning of all holiness. And and I'll read this quote to, uh, to prove that, to prove that this is what he's saying. Uh, I'm skipping over a lot here, but uh, reading this point, understanding that I'm skipping a lot, he says this, would you be holy? So if you're reading this book and you desire to be holy, do you want to be holy? Then Christ is the manna you must daily eat, like Israel in the wilderness of old. Would you be holy? Then Christ must be the rock from which you must daily drink the living water. Would you be holy? Then you must be ever looking unto Christ, looking at his cross and learning fresh motives for a closer walk with God, looking at his example and taking him for your pattern. Looking at him, you would become like him. Looking at him, your face would shine without your knowing it. Look less at yourself and more at Christ, and you will find besetting sins dropping off and leaving you, and your eyes enlightened more and more every day. So, in other words, you want to be holy? Amen. Don't worry about loving yourself. Love Christ more. Yeah. Look to Christ more. Feed from Christ more. That and that's the whole point of man, that's that I mean, that is a key to the Christian life right there. Uh, l- let's not just brush over that. That is an absolute key to the Christian life. Is that if you're uh it, let's not get it twisted. If you're just looking at your own self and your own works and your own life and saying uh, I, and the emphasis is on your works of uh, sin or your works of righteousness and holiness um, uh, then you're not going to you're that's not actually the way to become more holy it's not actually the way to become more holy and that's consistent with the very gospel itself is that that's not the way you became holy in the first place. It's a foreign or alien righteousness. It's a righteousness outside of you. It's a holiness outside of you. Uh, You're starting to get to the next book. (laughs) It's a righteousness or holiness outside of you. you. Did you decide on the next book? I took a poll. On social media, oh, see, the people have decided. The people decided. People have decided. Um, that, that's cool, man. I didn't know you did that. That's yeah. cool. That's a good way to pick books, actually. Yeah. Because then, 
the people are more likely to listen to him because they they chose it. People have spoken. We're, we're a democracy here. We're 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 a. Uh, okay, let me get back to my point. <laughs> um, but your holiness is still uh, a a your holiness is still outside of you. So focusing on yourself and just saying I I don't want to be a sinful. I want to be more holy. Uh, that's a good way to not do those things. Uh, in fact, you're going to find yourself in a ditch and say, and say, man, I just want to be more holy, but I can't. And you're introspecting too much. You're, you're looking at yourself too much and you're judging yourself too much. Um, you need to look upon Christ. Uh, and uh, if you're looking at him instead of yourself, you will be conformed to him. It's mm-hmm. like you, you, uh, GK Beal, we've talked about him before on the podcast. He's, he's both, we really enjoy, both of us really enjoy his writings, really appreciate his, his work and ministry and biblical theology. Uh, he, um, uh, he has a book, uh, I don't think it's entitled this, but the premise of the book is you are what you worship. Well, you can say you are what you look at. And if you're just looking at yourself, then you're not going to be conforming to the image of Christ. You need to be looking at Christ, doing what Ryle's saying in this chapter of uh, learning of him, uh, looking to him, looking at his character, his nature, um, uh, knowing Christ, knowing who he is and following after him. I'm reading, uh, for uh, my daily devotional, I'm reading Ryle's commentary on the Gospels. Not the Bible itself, just Ryle. Well, it has, it has the uh, it has the the scripture in there, and then his commentary on it. Um, uh, so I'm reading the scripture, and then I'm reading his commentary as the devotion on it. Oh, come on, yeah. man, do it all the way. Yeah, yeah. Just purely Ryle. <laughs> That's your devotion. Uh, uh, and he's and he's doing what he's talking about in this chapter throughout uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And uh, it's rich. It's a it's a rich. Uh, I commend it to people for to use it for that sense. And he wrote it for that purpose as a personal yeah. as a personal devotion. So it's not a critical commentary. Um, it's a it's written in a in a devotional style for that purpose. So if you want to do what he's talking about in this chapter, um, a great place to start is is his commentaries on on the gospel. It's called. Uh, um, Expository thoughts on Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They mm. usually come in a uh, four volume, uh, a four or five volume set. I think Luke may have two volumes. I'm not sure, I, or I can't remember. Banner Truth, not a sponsor yet. Yet. To give a quick summary of this chapter, very super quick. Not even reading hardly any quotes from the as subheadings to these points. Uh, Christ being all. Christ is all in all. First of all, let us understand that Christ is all in all the counsels of God concerning man. Meaning God's counsel to create the world, Christ was in that, that he was creator. Uh, The Father created all things by the Son. Um, Where was Christ at? He is before all things. He is the creator of all things. Um going on um and he's he says so many things about he's um, going to be the judge at the end of the age right yeah. right 
um, how he was there in the garden as a sign, a promise for the atonement. Uh, he is all in that he came in the flesh. He left the glory he had from all eternity with the Father and came down in the world to provide a salvation. Um, Christ, where shall Christ be then? And what shall he do? Christ himself shall be king. Christ shall be judge. Uh, as you said, there'll be a time when all men will be judged. Where will Christ be then? He's going to be the one who will be judged. Yeah. yeah. In the second place, let us understand that Christ is all in the inspired books which make up the Bible. So Christ doesn't appear in the New Testament for the first time. Mm-hmm. Whoa, who is this character? Never heard of him, never saw him. Christ is all in the Old Testament. Amen. As he is in the New Testament. And then uh, skimming on... Uh, and man, I'm skipping all the stuff where it's talking about where Christ is in Malachi and the book of Judges and, and the Pentateuch and so on and so forth. Uh, the Gospels, the this Epistles, is a phenomenal sermon. This yes, is a it is. Phenomenal sermon. Great sermon. In the third place, let us understand that Christ is all in the religion of all true Christians on earth. First point he makes under that is that when in saying Christ is all, we don't forget about the Father and the Holy Spirit. And to truly know Christ is to know the Trinity. Uh, a true Christology is not uh, an unbalanced Trinity. It's not yeah. unbalanced at all if you have a true, uh, solid Christianity yeah. or, or Christology. So it's not like, well, yeah, let's think about Christology, but oh, don't let that um, rock the boat or tilt the boat over into um you know, a heresy on the Trinity. No, if you truly know Christ, you will exalt the Father and the Holy Spirit. Um, and he makes that point clear. Uh, Christ is all in a sinner's justification before God. A. Um, B. Christ is not only all in the justification of true Christian, but he is all. He is also all in his sanctification as we have talked about and you talked about earlier. And then I read that quote, Would you be holy? Then look to Christ. See, Christ is not only all in the sanctification of a true Christian, but all in his comfort in time Amen. present. Amen. All in his comfort. Uh, it says in the book of Proverbs, I believe Proverbs chapter 3, um, do, not, do not fear or do not tremble um, at the the sudden oncoming of terror or the destruction of the wicked. But let the Lord be your confidence. And in so doing, he will be your yeah. comfort. He will not let your foot uh, get caught in the net. And then D, but as Christ is all in the comforts of a true Christian in time present, so Christ is all in his hopes for time to come. So Christ is all in your past, present, comfort, and future Hope. He concludes the chapter saying, uh, Christ, um, talking about the folly of a Christless religion. And that's a, that's a religion that, that cannot save. Uh, and so it's, it's utter uselessness of a, he calls it the utter uselessness of a Christless religion. Uh, so it's a religion, practice, creed, any creed, any uh, any uh, uh, philosophy of life that does not have Christ. It actually can. It actually cannot save. Uh, uh, on the opposite of that, he says, uh, "Is Christ all? 
then learn the enormous folly of joining anything with Christ in the manner of salvation. Christ alone is not uh, um, all in all to their souls, and he gives some examples. It is, he says, no, it is either Christ and the church, or Christ and the sacraments, or Christ and his ordained ministers, or Christ in their own repentance, or Christ in their own goodness, or Christ in their own prayers, or Christ in their own sincerity and charity on which they practically rest their souls. You can, and his point is you cannot add anything to Christ. Uh, it's got to be Christ alone as, as the Reformation, uh, one of the Reformation mantras was. You can't mix anything with Christ. So then he concludes in classic Ryle fashion, with a appeal, an appeal to uh, uh, to trust in Christ alone. He says, Is Christ all? Then let all who want to be saved apply direct to Christ. Mm. And he says, um, uh, uh, Jesus Christ alone can deliver you from hell and present you faultless before God. So appeal directly to Christ. What a good conclusion. Oh, what a good conclusion to the whole, to the whole book. All of it. I mean, this is a, uh, uh, this, we didn't spend much time on it, but this sermon alone is worth the price of the book. Yeah. I mean, this is a phenomenal. And because it's a sermon. This is one of the best sermons that I've read, Mm. uh, uh, that I've, that I've read, but I'm a, I'm a Ralph fanboy now. So that should be, <laughs> that should be expected. You know, so what we should talk about next week, it kind of is a, well, let's talk about anything. We'll, we'll brainstorm. So take this as a brainstorm too. One idea of, cause I, I take it, you and I are still plan to talk about just a classic conversation as a space between sure. this yeah. book and next yeah, book. Sounds good. So we'll come up with some ideas. One idea either next week or some other time is talk about some of the greatest sermons of all time or some of the, our favorite sermons. One of them could be this JC Ryle's Christ all in all. Yeah. Classic, classic sermons. Yeah. We do a, yeah, we could do a podcast or episode on that for sure. Yeah. Um, and this leads to a, a, a good quick announcement on our next book, Justification by Faith Alone, Jonathan Edwards. Oh, I, I'm not surprised that one won. Yeah. Uh, more people know Jonathan Edwards. Yeah. Uh, more people can pronounce his name. Right. Yeah. yeah. Willemus Brockle. Yeah. That's, if anyone that looked guy? him up, they were like, well, there's this There's one that's this big versus one that's this yeah. big. Yeah. yeah one For of them is 140 pages. One of them is 600 pages. <laughs> Um, just totally different books. And I'll say this too. Um, the listeners have probably not read Justification by Faith. Some of them have, I'm sure. Um, it's not a lob pass of a book. It's not like we're just retweeting everything Jonathan Edwards says. It's going to be challenging. And there's going to be some things that we're probably um, not comfortable with that he says. It's going to be a shift in gears for sure. Oh, it's a shift in gears, but I welcome it. I welcome that's it for why we're, two, that's why two we're doing it. because um, one of the big criticisms or question marks of Jonathan Edwards, one of them, is his doctrine of justification, if you're familiar with the talks on that. Yeah. Uh, many people defend him, as do I, in a lot of the places. 
and many people question him, as do I in some of those places. Um, yeah, so a lot to look forward there. I'm looking forward to it. I'm familiar with the kind of critiques and, and things like that, but I've not dug into Edwards. Yeah. I haven't read a lot of them. Um, I've just got a very, uh, very basic knowledge of of Edwards, so I'm looking forward to dig- digging in. Yeah, that'll be fun. Um, until next time, it's good, and, and, and for you and me, until tomorrow, rolling at jujitsu class. Oh, everyone! I I finally got Cole uh, converted. He's finally joined. Uh, he's finally joined the the ranks of of jujitsu practitioners. I'm a white belt, man. CD. D2 coming at you recorded and direct from the classic cast where we just roll with it.